the thing I love about us as being boss babes is one minute we can be talking about like data-driven hiring and the next skincare, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. Most people are not scientists and skincare is science. And so a lot of these ingredients actually don't work well together. I almost wish I could have bottled some of that confidence from my 20s sometimes because I feel like when you're 20 and you know nothing, you feel like you know everything. Yeah. And it's when you really do know a lot more that you realize how much more you don't know. Welcome to the Boss Babe podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance and learning how to balance it all. I'm Natalie Ellis, your host of this week's podcast and co-CEO of Boss Babe. Now, in this week's episode, we are chatting with the queen of content herself, Alison McNamara. We're talking all about Alison's journey from creating digital content for Who, What, Where, Pop Sugar and Refinery29 before creating content, you know, was even trending to being an influencer and owning and running her own skincare line, Mara, which, by the way, I'm obsessed with. The retinol oil is incredible. Alison is an incredible businesswoman and on one side she shares this, her secrets to creating content that people can relate to and on the other she shares her skincare routine and the specific brands, products and supplements she uses and why. So that brings me on to this week's quote and it's one that we actually pulled from the show and the quote is, if you don't ask, you don't get. So firstly, I love this quote. And actually, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Northern England, if you can tell by the accent. And up there, we have a phrase which really sums up that quote. And if I've got any Geordies listening, I feel like you're about to just like pee yourself laughing. The quote is, are you ready for it? Shy Ben's getting out, which essentially translates to shy kids get nothing. And it's really, really true. You've really got to be willing to put yourself out there, risk being told no, and have confidence in yourself. Because honestly, what's the worst that could happen? And I remember when I was thinking of giving up my amazing graduate job offer that I got given right after I graduated from university. And, you know, to take the leap would have paid off all of my student debt. I would have moved to London. It would have been amazing. All of the things. But I had this feeling inside that I I just wanted to run my own business. And it was terrifying. And I honestly didn't know what to do and I remember sitting in a cafe in Newcastle back home with my friend Nick Pigeon and I was telling her how I'm feeling and I remember she said to me what's the absolute worst case scenario like what's the worst that could happen if you just say no to the grad job and you go and do your own business and what I realized was I could handle the worst case scenario and you know since I've taken that leap I've truly not looked back and I'm not saying it was easy by any stretch but it really does go back to if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to receive whatever it is that you're going for. So hopefully that just inspires you to go and raise your hand when you want something or, you know, be unapologetic with your ambition. And so speaking of taking the leap, I've got a little gift to share with you. I know a lot of you are thinking of starting a business or are actually in the early stages of your journey and you're really wanting to scale your business to six figures. So I've actually created an incredible free training for you. It's a 60 minute video training called Start Up to Six Figures in Six Months, which will show you how to do exactly that. Start up to six figures in six months. It will walk you through the roadmap you need to be scaling your business step by step, making the process really, really easy. And it works. We have helped so many women scale their businesses. So I know it could be a game changer for you if you're willing to take notes and then take action. So just head to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly forward slash start up to six figures to get started on us. And let's just dive straight into this week's episode. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise. Keep going and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. So you are the queen of content. I'm just going to put that out there. You really know what you're doing when it comes to creating content that not only is engaging, but I mean, you've sent, I must mean, thousands of pieces of content viral. Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot over the years, especially working at Pop Sugar and Refinery29. I mean, that really kind of set me up to figuring out like how to create and shoot content, which is it's wild how important it is now. It's crazy. But how did you even get into this? Because you kind of started when content was really riding that wave and becoming more of a thing. And I think 
now people are creating so many pieces of content a day. But how did you even get started back then? Oh my gosh, I wanted to be a television host. That was like the goal, like Ryan Seacrest, E! News, like 6 o'clock p.m. entertainment news. That's what I wanted to do. Went to school for it. But I graduated in 2009. And so that was the height of the recession, at least in the U.S. especially. Mm -hmm. Like there weren't any jobs for anyone. I had always done a ton of internships. I was at Who, What, Where at the time. And I wanted to be a television host, but this digital idea, I was like, this will do for now. So I started doing digital content for places like Who, What, Where, and then got hired by Pop Sugar to create digital content. And so at the time, this was like no one wanted to do digital content. All the hosts wanted to do TV content. But I kind of carved out this like very unique niche in the digital world where I was doing thousands of online videos. Like I think over the course of six years, I did like 3,000 videos for Pop Sugar, And yeah, it was just a lot. Wow. And that's kind of like what taught me that this was going to be the next thing. But I didn't get into blogging until later. You know, like I was so focused on hosting for like four and a half years. So like up until maybe like end of 2014, was I like, oh, I need to make content for myself too, you know? But it was crazy. I mean, to look back, I see those videos. That's the only bad thing about the internet. They're there forever. Oh my God, I have some DIYs that are so bad. I like made a leather hat one time, like a DIY leather hat, and it was so bad, but it really taught me so much, so. I love that. What do you think is the secret to being able to create a piece of content that makes someone feel like you truly get them and relate to them? You know, I've had an easier time creating content for Mara than I have actually for myself, and I think it's because it has to really feel like emotive and like an emotional connection to it, right? Because my whole brand is about, like my personal brand is fashion and entertainment and beauty. But Mara, uh, my skincare line is just so centered and so focused that I found the most success when it has something that speaks to someone, whether it's like skin elements or like, you know, glowy skin, acneic skin. Like when you're really speaking to someone who has an issue, I feel like that's when we've had the most success. I love that. And the thing I love about your brand too is you create, content from something that I call like selling from power. You don't play on people's pain points, but actually mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this is where you're at. I see you. This is what I recommend. Here's some steps rather than, oh, your skin is terrible. Let me fix it. It's like, oh, I totally feel you on that. Here's where we go with it. And I think it's so amazing to see content that is created from an empowering standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. And how do you like get started with content? Because I always feel like this is a really interesting topic. You know, lots of brands are utilizing it now, but sometimes it's kind of intimidating to like know where to start. And when you've done so many hours of content and you've seen like your own progression of what works best. Can you remember what it was like when you first started? Yeah, it's funny. I remember like kicking and screaming. Like I wasn't into the idea of making content for myself. Like I loved creating it for Pop Sugar, but then they're like, okay, you need to tweet out your video. This is like when Twitter was like really big. <laughs> you need to tweet out your video and then you need to like put it on YouTube and do all the hashtags because we were putting our content on popsugar.com, right? And so that part I was like, oh, this is like so much work. Like I don't want to do this. You know, and this is 2010, 2011. And, you know, we didn't really see the long-term value in this yet, but I did it and it kind of got me into this habit of doing it. So by the time I was able to do it for myself, I was so excited, you know, and you kind of get to see the progress of it. But yeah, I think at the beginning, I thought like, oh my gosh, this is so much extra work, like tweeting out my video. Oh, can we have an intern do it? Like, what a brat, you know? Like now today, I'm like, I do all the social for obviously myself and for my skincare line. So and I work with main addicts too. I don't head up the social there. We work very collaboratively. Like it's all about content. So it's kind of crazy to like how it shifted over the years, you know? Yeah, I think it's shifted from kind of longer informative pieces where you put tons of work into it to creating content so quickly mm -hmm. and just kind of being in that content flow. But also before we started recording, we were talking about your skincare brand and your in-stores, you're absolutely killing it. And we were just saying it's so funny because when you're running a business and you're doing something that you've never done, half of it is honestly just making up as you go along. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> How did you even like get into this? Well, so I was a host for a decade at Pop Sugar and the Refinery29, and I've always had like this interest in beauty. My family's in beauty. So my dad worked in skincare and cosmetics growing up, and I always knew I wanted to have my own line. I just wasn't sure when or how it would take shape. And so honestly, when I saw the decline of what you were just talking about, the long form content, which is what I did, you know, I had a 30 minute show. We actually had the first ever digital to TV show that was ever taken from like wow, the internet cool. to a television show. 
But we kind of saw that no one was watching that. You know, people have three seconds on Instagram. It's like scroll, mm. scroll. So I kind of reevaluated, like, do I want to keep hosting or do I want to do something that I'm really passionate about now? Because I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago when I wanted to be Ryan Seacrest, right? <laughs> so, yeah, now I, you know, I think that the way that we consume content is just so different. So I decided to hunker down. What do I want to create? I came up with Mara. Um, I was in Turkey. It's the Sea of Marmara is what inspired it. Then I created the brand and like literally had no idea what I was doing. So everything from finding a lab to finding the distributor to finding the glass bottles, like it was all new to me. Like I bought the bottles without even having the formula done. And my dad's like, you bought what? I'm like, yeah, I just bought like 5,000 blue bottles because this guy was a great salesperson. <laughs> He's like, you need these, like Mara blue bottles. Like they ended up being perfect. But yeah, it was just a lot of, and it still is, like a lot of learn as you go. We're in a hundred stores, but we have just two SKUs. The one I brought today, which is the universal face oil and then the algae retinol oil. But I have more SKUs that we're launching. And honestly, each new SKU comes up with its own set of problems. So <laughs> do, do you create every product? Do you the one designing and creating? them? Yeah, I work with a lab, but I create everything about the product. So even though I have a lot of people that work for me on like contract basis, like no one that actually works full time. So, you know, I have like a web designer that I work with and a, you know, someone who does my graphic design, but it's all very, like very dictated by like how I want it to look. So mm. I'd love to just zoom in a little bit on the whole, like buying those bottles, but not <laughs> really having the whole like brand laid out. Because I think that's really interesting about entrepreneurship and when you kind of need to follow your gut a little bit and just being like, oh, I don't really know how all this is going to work out, but I'm just going to do it. <laughs> do you feel like that's something that's come up for you a lot? I think that's like the entire process yeah. for me, honestly, <laughs> you know, like that's been the whole process. You know, the blue bottles felt so right. And this is before we had the formula or even really a mood board. Like I hadn't even really thought about what is this brand going to look like. I just had met with this packaging supplier. I'd met with three actually, met with this guy and I, he just sold me on them. And he's like, you need them. And then I, I believed it. And now <laughs> here we are. And honestly, it's integral to the brand. Like that color, we call it Mara Blue now. And we've, you know, emulated it for all of our products. So yeah, I feel like that is a good example of that. And the entire process really has led itself to just a bunch of different choices I made that not knowing if it was going to be the right choice. Like the painting on the top of the box was created by a female painter. My friend actually has the original in her house. Oh my and God. that was constantly on the mood board. And I couldn't figure out what I wanted the box to look like. I'm like, I guess there won't be a box. Like I can't even figure out what this should go in. And my dad, who obviously like advises me throughout the whole process, was like, you keep bringing up this piece of artwork, like maybe reach out to the artist and see if you can get the rights to it. And I was like, there's no way, you know? And then I did, and now it's on the box. And she's created custom artwork for us for the rest of our products too, which That's is really cool. Amazing. I love the thought process behind that as well, because I sometimes think we put barriers in our way. We're like, oh, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. Like mm -hmm. these things that sometimes you're like, no. And then you just ask and it's like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like we can do this. And I think that's something like a lesson for all of us. Like mm -hmm. it, it's just like taking that step and going, actually, do you know what? I'm going to double click on this. I'm going to see if I can make this happen. I'm going to ask these questions because that's one thing I've personally learned through my entrepreneurial journey. Like the businesses that I've been invested in have been like, I've actually gone out and said, can I invest in this business or can I be part of this? Like I've just said it and it might not even be like a straightforward yes at the beginning, but once you kind of put that out there and you plant that seed and then they, people know what your intentions are, quite often it's amazing how things start kind of falling in place to make that happen. Yeah, I think it's all about asking, you know, mm. and I was always very nervous about that. I don't know why, but I, I think it's just who I am. Like I've always been nervous, like, oh, I don't want to like bother them or I don't want to ask them. Like there's no way they'll do that. But I think this process has really opened me up to like I literally ask for everything now because what's the worst <laughs> they can do is say no. No, you know? Yeah. Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, 
but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash bossbabe, masterclass.com slash bossbabe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. And sometimes it's not even bothering, is it? It's not, but you think it yeah. is in some weird way. Yeah. But I can totally relate to you. And I think that's where me and you differ, Danielle, because it's so funny. I think you were like, what, 24 when you were like, can I buy your business to uh, a guy you were working <laughs> for? Your old man. Yeah, she was like, can I buy your business? And he was like, not yet. And she's like, okay, I'll come back soon. Can I buy your business now? And I mean, eventually yeah. you wow. you did and you you are a serial entrepreneur and we're both in a space now where we're very interested in mergers and acquisitions and acquisition of, of both companies, but also acquisition of really good people who you look at them and you think they're so happy in their role and it's so funny how we kind of build each other up to just go and ask well what would it look like if you go and actually ask that person if they're happy in their role or what would it look like if you don't just go and ask them what would it look like to buy your business and Mm -hmm. sometimes we wait for opportunities to come because it can be quite scary because yeah you think you're bothering them but I don't know if it's a phrase in America but in the UK we have a phrase if you don't ask you don't get so many things have happened to me like the first time I ever met Richard Branson I was in school and I pretended to be a reporter at Bloomberg so I could sneak in and like chat to him oh my gosh (laughs) um, that's amazing but it's so funny what like happens when you just kind of, you're just like, you know what, if the answer is no, and I, I'm okay with that, I can survive. But you mentioned a couple of things that I want to touch on. The first thing is you seem to build your brand before the product. Mm-hmm. And you hear this of a lot of very, very successful brands. And it's something that we did with Boss Babe too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Yeah. So what was that like for you building a brand when you didn't even know what product you were going to have? I think that was the most magical part, right? You know, I just, I knew I wanted to create something that evoked a feeling and, you know, made you feel glamorous when you put it on and that was really high efficacy. We're a clean brand, so really clean ingredients. I had like all the bones of what I thought it was going to be, but then really it took shape once we finished the formula and it kind of echoed the same thing, Mm -hmm. which was so interesting. But yeah, I think that the brand I built up in my mind like long before the product, I think this has been like over and over like many years, right? Like I kind of started taking shape when I was in college. Like I knew I wanted to create a skincare line or a beauty line of some sort. And it's just like years of thinking about it, I think. Before, I love You know, that. before, which it's kind of crazy. And like on, you, do you guys do vision boards? Is that yeah. a thing? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like a, a U.S. thing or if it's an everywhere thing, but I've been doing those since I was a kid and always was having like a beauty line. So I thought that was kind of cool that it finally kind of came true. We're obsessed with vision boards. And I think it's (laughs) honestly crazy how you can like mindlessly cut out a picture from a magazine that you think is symbolizing one thing. And then you put it on your vision board and then actually you'll get that exact thing that you put there. And you're like, wait, I didn't even know I was manifesting this. One of my friends, she was showing us her vision board because she hosted a vision board party a few weeks ago. And we kind of all got together to create vision boards and she showed us hers and she'd 
cut out a actual room in a hotel and it was this beautiful like private island amazing suite and this amazing view and she put that on her vision board and she had no idea why she was like it just looks really good I felt like I'd love a vacation there and fast forward a few years she met her husband married her husband and he planned the honeymoon and it just so happened that was on Necker Island and the picture she printed out she stayed in that exact room oh my gosh and it wasn't even planned that's crazy I believe in it I mean you put energy into anything and it'll come back Maybe not right away. Maybe it's three years later, but it's pretty incredible how that works. Yeah. When did you start doing vision boards and how? Is that something your parents had introduced? No, I I don't know how, honestly. Like, it was always something that we did, though. I was always really into scrapbooking. I'm trying to remember Mm. when we first did it. I know I've always, like, loved scrapbooking. And, you know, back before we had, you know, cell phones that had, you know, incredible cameras with these, like, very robust libraries. You know, you had, like, digital cameras and, you know, you printed out the photos. I feel like it started then. And it was just stuff that I always wanted to do or things that I wanted to work on. And it just took shape. And then it became, like, self-care, right? You know, now (laughs) it's, like, wellness, vision board. But, you know, I've been doing it probably for a decade. So, yeah, I think it just came from scrapboarding and and then like, oh, this is pretty and making your binders. But like my binders were always things that I wanted to like achieve, you know, when you were to make those when you were younger. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of started from then. And do you feel like as a successful entrepreneur now, you still follow those same methods? Like has that process changed for you at all? Or is it literally like it was 10, 15 years ago too? I appreciate the successful entrepreneur parks. I feel like I'm just getting started. There's a lot to do. <laughs> Don't we all know? Yeah, there's a lot to do. So I appreciate that. But Yeah, I think my process is still the same. There's no formality to it. I mean, now it's more in the form of Pinterest because, you know, I hate wasting paper and trees and it is a little selfish. I do it once a year for the new year. I'll do like the big vision Mm -hmm. board where I cut up a bunch of magazines. But for the most part, I try and do it on Pinterest. But for each product, I do vision board like the product before we even have like a name or the ingredients. I just kind of like want the feeling. So yeah, I still do that. I do that for everything. And I do that for Main Addicts too. We have vision boards like across the gamut because Main Addicts is Jen Atkins' hair website. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and so we're all about like all different types of hair, styles, styling, colorists, all that good stuff. And so we just are constantly vision boarding. I think it's so important, right? I think so. so. And for us, whenever we create a brand on the Boss Babe or a new brand entirely or a product, we start everything on Pinterest. I normally go in there and I spend a day just like vision boarding and pulling it all together. Then our designer comes in and tries to make sense of what's going on in my head (laughs) because there's always certain themes and colors and she's very good at that mix between creative and then, okay, let me distill what you're thinking and we'll put it together in a brand board. And I think starting there helps you to notice the themes that you're feeling like you were saying with the blue and Mm -hmm. the art. If that theme keeps coming, then there's obviously something to it. And another thing you touched on, which I wanted to bring up, you said you're the only full-time person and you have freelancers working for you. You are very, very creative. I try to be. (laughs) So how do you manage having a team of freelancers, but knowing, I mean, essentially the business falls on you? How do you find that? I like it. You know, I'm an Aries and I just like to be in control. So I don't mind it. But now, you know, the company has gotten a lot bigger since we started, you know, a year ago. So, I mean, even though I've been doing the business for like three years, like last year is when we launched. And so we're in a hundred doors now. I do find that like I need someone that's full time. It's just hard to find the right person. I was talking to your girls, actually. They're amazing. Like if you guys found amazing women, (laughs) it's hard to find people that want to work in the startup space. I think people are either really excited about it or they're not. So it's hard to find that person that melds really well with you know, the founder and is into this like startup mentality. But most of the people that I've hired as our contractors are all friends, Mm. Um, not like super close friends, but people that I've known like for years and I trust. And, you know, they're not necessarily doing me a favor. They're excited about the project, but I also know they're not going to like up and leave me. You know, they would definitely give me plenty of time. You know, it's just kind of friends that I, I ended up hiring and it's been really helpful so far. So thanks for being so honest about it being hard. We have built an amazing full-time team and part-time team. And I mean, we are growing our team faster than we can say team. It's crazy. It's amazing. But one thing that we have realized is it is incredibly hard. And whilst we look at companies who seem to be able to just have a knack of finding good people, honestly, it was one of our biggest struggles and still continues to be one of our biggest struggles. And I don't know if you felt like this, Danielle, but We've had roles open for quite a long time and we've been doing outreach and interviewing and it's taken a really long time to find that exact 
person and when they come they are the most perfect fit like it couldn't feel more aligned and it all kind of works out but that process it could take months to find that person Mm -hmm. and I found myself in that process being really hard on myself in terms of like I had this story that I was really bad at hiring I was like I'm just not good at finding right people I need to outsource this to a recruitment company or I need to do this and actually I started to change that story and be like no I actually believe that I know exactly who I'm looking for and what I want and the people that are coming to us so far aren't that. Did you ever feel the same? I didn't feel the same, but I did feel that... I think one thing that we're trying to do at Boss Babe is we're trying to redefine how we do business. And for us, it's not only hiring people with the right skills, but actually there's a personality piece for us. And we, before we bring anyone on full-time, we actually get them to do personality tests Mm. because our culture is so, so important for us. Women, traditionally, you can have this whole like, oh, they can be bitchy and work. Or even in startups, it can be very much like this hustle mentality. Speaking over each other and really trying to like push and make those like, like almost like power struggles. And we've been really, really felt quite strongly about not allowing that into Boss Babe. That's not what we're about. And we've spoken on previous podcasts about, you know, it being a vessel for a lifestyle for all of us and it being about enjoying going to work. And I think that that's why we've perhaps found it a little bit more challenging because they need the skills, but they also have to have the right personality because we want the whole team to enjoy being at work. I totally. would like to say not work. So that's like something <laughs> they're doing in the day. Yeah. And like, and like what you said, even, you know, when you're a small team like myself, like such a small team, you know, it is a full-time job trying to find people mm. to hire. So when you're managing the whole business and then still doing other businesses and, you know, I work for Main Addicts, like I said, and still do a lot of influencer work on the side with Sephora and L'Oreal. It's like, okay, I've got to manage all these projects and my business. And then I have to find someone to work with me. Like that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a full-time job trying to find like the right person. And I agree. It has to be personality and skill set. And, you know, I think that that's the cool thing about being a female entrepreneur is that we are breaking the mold of having that crazy pressure type of work situation that at least I had a lot of in my earlier years. And, you know, the yelling and scolding at each other or screaming in front of people, like, it's just not okay, you know? So it's cool that we're changing that. I love that. And I think sometimes, you know, in businesses, and I've heard this before, you can be told you're a sports team, but you're kind of all playing on different teams. So <laughs> you kind of might be playing against each other sometimes. And we have this kind of family mentality where, yes, we are a team, but we're all on the same team. And driving towards that's super important. But yeah, like you said, it can be a full-time job. I have discovered a hack, though, if you'd like. I'd love the hack. <laughs> I'm all ears. Okay. So for one role, that was just, we needed someone with a lot of different skills. And so I mind mapped out everything that would my dream employee would have, all the different skills, all the softwares I'd be familiar with, everything you can imagine that I wanted out of a person. I was like, this is my ideal person. And I took the type form, which is like a place to create surveys and questionnaires online. It's very easy to use, amazing, beautiful UI. And I basically put all of that into a type form. So it's kind of like an application form where it was rate your skills for, say, copywriting on a scale of one to three. I didn't give them one to 10 because I'm like, listen, you're either bad, good or really good. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just keep it tight here. So I did that. And then I asked questions like, have you got experience using this software? Yes or no? Okay, if, if yes, give examples. And so then what I could do is go back and actually look if this application is mostly no's and ones, then generally they're not the right person for us. If this application is more threes and they've really put time into all of their answers and they're answering yes, then we should interview them. Because one thing that we found stressful in the beginning was send us your cover letter and CV. And, you know, we've made bad hiring decisions too, where someone's looked amazing on paper and did really well in an interview, but then we've seen their work and it just hasn't been the same fit. And so that was very good for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that. I love that idea. I mean, it makes it very simple. And I'm also like OCD about just information. So it's kind of all tucked away for you right there. All tucked away. I love that. You just zoom through it. It's made life easier. I'll have to try that. (laughs) I love that. And I think sometimes as well, like when you're coming into a startup and new business, like we're all ambitious women, right? We're sat on this conversation and more ambitious. And I think that can take on two forms, whether it's, you know, setting up your own business or whether it's actually like working up the career ladder. And I'd love for us to chat like some of those struggles, like those personality struggles of being an ambitious woman. Because I find that sometimes my head is like 10 steps 
ahead of my physical world. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that can be like a struggle sometimes. Totally. I feel like I have gotten a lot better about that now, but I remember being you know, young and working at Pop Sugar, and I had this amazing like role for myself at the time. I was the host and producer at this dream job, but I just wanted so much more. And I thought, you know, when you're young, you just think that like you're the best at everything, you know, oh, yeah. and you have this like self-complex where you're like, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any guidance. Like y'all don't know what you're doing. And you know, these people are now my age or older than I am now. And so looking back, I'm like, okay, they were really nice in how they dealt with me at times because I just thought like my shit did not stink. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but I do think that like tenacity got me really far in the hosting space. You know, I, you know, hosted the Emmy winning show for the Oscars, the Backstage Pass, which was their like pre-red carpet show. I did like Dick Clark shows. So it really got me far, but I think that confidence and that tenacity I had also was like a little, a little much for the time. But now as like an adult, I'm over 30, and I feel like I finally come into my own. I feel like I can deal with people like my old self better mm -hmm. and you can help shape them. I just wish someone like would have helped shape me. How? I don't know. I think that that people were really quick to put me down when I worked there and it kind of made me stronger. But I think that if I had the right mentor in that space, I could have really grown even farther faster instead of going through a lot of hurdles. There was a, a job that I really wanted at Pop Sugar. It was to host our live show. When we were starting this new live show, no one had done this sort of live two hour long daily show and we were gonna do it. And so I had been there the longest. We all tried out for the position and I thought I deserved it. And I still actually think I did deserve it, but they went with someone else. And you know, I, I wish they would have like taken the time to tell me why maybe I didn't get it. And it was those types of moments throughout my career that I just wish I would have had someone like helping me a little bit, like giving me a little bit of guidance. You know? Do you think you would have listened to the guidance? Probably not. Was, yeah, that's always really interesting <laughs> yeah. too, right? Because I do sometimes think like, if I was managing my 24-year-old self, oh, can you imagine? Like how I would deal with that. I mean, um, you essentially started part managing me when I was 25. Well, yeah. And I definitely thought I knew everything. Still Isn't that funny? <laughs> we have so much confidence when we're in our early 20s. Like I almost feel like being an entrepreneur, you know, you have like the ups and downs, right? You're on top of the world. And then, you know, what am I doing? Like, I know nothing. You have those moments mm -hmm. like on a weekly basis for me. I almost wish I could have bottled some of that like confidence from my 20s sometimes because I feel like when you're 20 and you know nothing, you feel like you know everything. Yeah. And it's when you really do know a lot more that you realize how much more you don't know, you mm -hmm. know? I can relate to that. I'm a Capricorn. Okay. So we generally think we're the best at everything. My girlfriend's a Capricorn. <laughs> She's tough. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so I feel like but you're very conversational so you must have a little bit more in your chart yeah Leo Moon okay yeah that so makes a lot of sense that makes sense but also I think just I used to be a solo entrepreneur so I didn't me and Danielle didn't used to work together so for a long time I was a solo entrepreneur and you have to like you'll know you have to have that confidence and also you have to be multi-talented like I had to know how to code the back end of a website whilst creating content that was going to work whilst you know showing up uh like the face of the business, like I was doing everything you can imagine, then dipping into customer service emails. And so you have to have that confidence in yourself to be able to get things done. And me and Danielle started working together when I was 25 and it's been a couple of years now. And I think actually having a co-founder now has helped me become more emotionally in tune to mm -hmm. Working with people because when you're that solo entrepreneur and you've got all these different people, you're used to being like, okay, you do this, you do this, giving very direct feedback. Whereas I think when you're co-founders, it's more of a give or take type thing and you have to be very mindful of the longer term relationship and also how you give feedback and how people like to be given feedback. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and all of that I think comes from just experience I mean we're all so different and some of us are more emotional some are less more some of us are direct others aren't and that's kind of another reason we make people do personality tests when they come so we can really mm -hmm. figure out okay and I always look at what star sign they are too but we, <laughs> we look at what kind of person they are so okay I've got this feedback what's the absolute best way I can deliver it to this person so I mean firstly so that I don't hurt their feelings so I'm being respectful and then also so I can get the most out of them if someone doesn't come and give me direct feedback like I take things very literally then I might not even be hearing what they're saying mm -hmm. and they think they've communicated it to me I'm like oh great everything's so good and then a month later they're upset with me again I'm like wait did we even have that conversation yeah so it's really good to do that testing there's mm. a really good book called how to win friends and influence people yeah. i just reread it because i've been years since i'd read it and it's there's just such a basic life lessons in there but it's kind of exactly what you said just how how to give critiques how to talk to people of different personality types i mean i think everyone should read it 
Yeah, I think it's yeah. just really important to be aware of all this stuff if you want to be furthering your career in any mm -hmm. shape or form and really understand those communication pathways. And we should really share which ones that we do because I know people are thinking like, what, what personality yeah, tests are they do? Yeah, I hear that. I mean, go for it because you're Virgo and crazy about <laughs> testing. Oh, you're a Virgo. I'm a Virgo rising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very Virgo as well. So before people join, we do the Myers-Briggs. And we do the wealth dynamic test, which is one that's not everybody really uses. It's one particularly aimed at entrepreneurs, which is really, really interesting. But then we also get people to do the love languages because for us, it's really important that if we want to pay a compliment to somebody, the team member is doing well, we need to make sure it's in a form that they are actually mm -hmm. receiving too. So whether that's your gifts or whether it's acts of service, yeah, yeah or words of affirmation. That's been really important for us to know because we do have differences within our team. Some just love a pat on the back, whereas actually other members do prefer that. Like, okay, they want a physical gift to know that they've done really well. <laughs> I think I want to be that person too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Expensive ones. Yeah, really <laughs> nice gifts. No, that's actually a great idea. I never thought yeah. to even implement the the love language test, but I think that love is so much more than just your romantic yeah. partners. So Yeah, and I feel like yeah. Myers-Briggs has really helped us understand particularly the thinking and feeling part. So myself, I'm definitely a feeler. And so Natalie is more of a thinker. And so how I would interpret things she would say to me were different and vice versa. And so that was like, I think one of the things that we definitely had to work together to understand. So like if she says something that maybe when we first started working with each other, I would think was a little bit harsh. Actually, now I know I'm like, she doesn't even mean it like that. She'll like, <laughs> it's just her way so of communicating funny. and vice versa. She knows that I can be a little bit more sensitive over certain things. So I think that's really important. And then we do the wealth dynamic one to really understand like the seats that we put people in. So like actually what their roles are within the company, because some people are more left brain, whereas others are more right brain. And some people are very more like data focused and other people just really want to be on the, the creative side of being effective, but not really worrying about the devastation that they leave behind. And I said that from an operational <laughs> An operational head. <laughs> Operation is tough. I mean, that's the part that's been the hardest for me. So <laughs> I think that's the case for a lot of creative entrepreneurs. It's definitely not my strong point. Like I move very, very quickly. And I think yes. in operations, you have to move a little bit slower and make sure your ducks line up. But then there's that thing where they can slow down the creatives. Sometimes. Oh, every single time. I mean, yeah. we're like fully done with the third product, but it's like we're waiting for the bottles to get manufactured. They have to come mm. over from Korea. It takes, you know, they say two to three months, but like last time with my retinol oil, they fell off the boat. They like, they couldn't find the bottles. Like the boat had, yeah, but they actually ended up not falling off. They said that they had fallen off. They ended up being on the boat, but the boat was lost for like three weeks. It hit the biggest, what? yeah, it hit the biggest hurricane that had ever happened off the coast of Asia. And so our boat just happened to be you know, in the middle of that. And I was like, well, how about the guy driving the boat? Like, is everyone okay? But everyone was fine. Just, you know, three weeks delayed for no reason. And we had no clue why. It's like crazy stuff like that. The stress that must come with that oh it must God. be, yeah, a lot. You know, I don't break out a ton just because I feel like I have my regimen like pretty down packed. But the only thing that really affects me is my cortisol levels and stress with mm. my skin. And yeah, that was definitely, it put me through the ringer. I was like, exploded. It was wild. Yeah, it was so stressful, but I can imagine that. The thing I love about us as being boss babes is one minute we can be talking about like data-driven hiring and the next skincare, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. You've mentioned two of the oils you have. I've got one right here, which yes. looks amazing. And you must be wearing one right now. Yeah, yeah, I only really wear the universal face oil like every day and then the retinol oil is a nighttime oil. But yeah, I wear the oil every day like with my makeup. I don't wear a ton of makeup, honestly. I'll wear like like not a ton of face makeup per se. Like I'll wear just a little bit of spot concealer and sometimes I'll do like a, a blush or something. But yeah, I, I kind of just wear it all day and I, I soak in it. I, <laughs> I love soak it. In it. Can you tell me what your skincare routine is? Because I know you guys can't see it, but you have the most perfect skin oh, I've thank ever you. seen. Like really, I was have been admiring it really. This whole time. Yeah, so yeah, we're you. we're girls who notice skin. Oh. From, you know, Natalie and I are both open about how we suffer with our skin. So we're always looking at people's like, our oh. hormones are very up and down. On it's <laughs> definitely like a, you know, it's a, not the same road for everyone. My skincare routine is 
not that crazy either. I've been using retinol for 20 years. Retinol is like the secret to my skin. That's why I wanted to create Mara, actually, mm-hmm. was to create retinol that people could use who have sensitive skin, who could use it every single day, because retinol, which is synthesized vitamin A, can be really tough and hard on the skin. And so I created this retinol oil, which I'll have to get you guys. It's not the one here. It's, I it's absolutely in, need to try It's that. intense, but it's really good. I mean, it's great for sensitive skin, but it still has the efficacy of like a strong retinol. And so I use that every night. So like my nighttime skincare routine is I wash my face with Tata Harper. I use almost all clean beauty. I don't use anything with like silicones, no dimethicone, PEGs. I'm crazy about that. So Tata Harper resurfacing cleanser. It's amazing. It's a dry cleanser. And then I put on the retinol oil directly on clean skin. And then usually I'll take, you know, I know with supplements, I always say like, you have to talk to your doctor first, but I love taking it the evening, like an ashwagandha and cordyceps, anything to help balance those cortisol levels that keep your body not stressed out because stress is one of the main causes besides hormones for our acne and skin. So I'll take like a wellness pill. I'll let the retinol sink in. And then I just put on the universal face oil and that's it. Oh, so you do the two oils? Yeah, back to back. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they were made to work together. The retinol, while it is hydrating, it's got fermented green tea and algae, our proprietary algae, it still is a treatment. So I always say you should hydrate. And whether it's, Mm. you know, our product, the universal oil or something else that's really low, you don't want to have anything that has like high fragrance, right? It's just be very nice, like light moisturizer if you do use something on top of the retinol oil. Like that's kind of all you need. And then the morning I... I don't necessarily always wash my face in the morning. Sometimes I just splash with water. I don't want to like over mess up like the oils on my skin. You know, I feel like sometimes even with like light cleansers, it strips away too much. Just kind of listen to my skin and I do vitamin C. I love Drunk Elephant, which I know isn't like a totally clean brand, but I think that their vitamin C is amazing. I also like Derma E. Have you ever Derma E? Yeah. Yeah, I like their vitamin C. And then I use the universal face oil and then SPF, obviously. you got to wear SPF. What's your favorite SPF? Oh my gosh, I get to ask this question. It's so hard, honestly. I love Kula Sundrops. But it still has avobenzone, which is an ingredient that I'm still, like, not Mm. sold on. That's a chemical sunscreen. But for physical sunscreens, which are the ones that are titanium oxide or zinc, I like. Drunk Elephant has a good one. Suntegrity has a good one. It's tough, though. Supergoop's great, too. But I do find that some of the Supergoop ones clog my pores, so... I like the Supergoop spray just to keep in my bag. I do too. I have the setting mist. Yeah. I put it on my hands in the car. Oh, the hands is a good idea. Yeah, I'm always, that's why I use it in the car. I just like spray my like left side. Yeah, it's handy. I also love the It Cosmetics CC cream, which I don't think is fully clean, but it's the best CC cream and SPF that I've found so far, which I never wear foundation ever. I only ever wear a BBS CC cream, which I love. I also love how simple your skincare routine is. I was speaking on a panel a few months ago one of the questions was, what fashion style would you like to come back from the 90s? Like, if you could revive any kind of trend from the 90s, what would it be? And for me, it would be bare face. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like makeup is such an amazing trend that really is picking up and I think it's so much fun but I also just love how in the 90s you know being really fresh faced and not Mm -hmm. feeling like you had to wear a ton of makeup was also amazing and I love to wear minimal makeup yeah it's the best yeah so I'm definitely waiting for that trend to come back because I love a contour as much as the next person but also I mean we're so busy I think it's back I think the no makeup makeup look is going to be you know just getting bigger and bigger over the next few years but I just really am against like the 10 step skincare routines because most people are not scientists and skincare is science. And so a lot of these ingredients actually don't work well together. You know, you shouldn't use like a BHA or an AHA on the same night as a retinol. But then I look at girls on Instagram showing their skincare routines and they're using, you know, a retinol-based cream, but then they use an AHA before and you basically just counteracted yourself. So This is so interesting, but I do find it a bit of a minefield. So it where, is. where do you find this information? Like, how do you know that? Well, one, you know, I grew up with my my family working in skincare. So in like <laughs> fifth grade, I knew the difference between benzoyl peroxide and salicylic acid, which are two common ingredients to fight acne. But yeah, just over like a lot of research, honestly, there's not enough education really out there. I know yeah. there's so many articles though. Like if you go onto any of the major beauty sites, you'll probably find an article on ingredients that don't go together. But I don't think as brands that they're educating the consumer enough. So it's really important for us at Mara to guide our consumers to tell them, okay, if you're using the retinol oil, like you can still use an acid because I think a great skincare routine has both acids and retinols, but you can't use them the same night. It's basically like wasting product because they just 
they don't work well together. They need different pHs for the skin. And so while the acid makes it very acidic, the retinol doesn't like that. So it kind of counteracts itself is the easiest way of describing That's it. Super There's like much more like science behind it, but I don't know if it works out here, but I found an app in the UK called Think Dirty. You can take a photo of the ingredients on your product and I'll tell you like how clean it is. Yeah, I think that that's out here too. I've heard of it. I've never tried it because it doesn't I, have all of them. It's yeah. like the main the main products, but it was really interesting because yeah. I do find like it's a little bit of a minefield. And I really try and eat all organic food and I was like, hang on a minute, what am I putting on my face? Like, mm-hmm. what am I showering with? Um, so I did a bit of a clear out on some of my products with yeah. that, which was really interesting. Well, our body, you know, is our largest organ, our skin. Mm-hmm. 60% of everything you put on it, it absorbs. So it is really important to be mindful. And that's why with Mara, I was really strategic about where we went first for our first major retail partner. And we chose Credo Beauty, which is the largest natural clean beauty store in the country here in the U.S. Um, they're amazing. They have a really tough vetting process for all of the products that go inside their stores. I honestly shot mostly at Credo, but there's also some other great stores like the detox market is really wonderful and they're like you know smaller little like green beauty stores around the country but they really do an amazing job at vetting the ingredients because you know fragrance that could be you know a thousand different ingredients Mm. you know it's just it's crazy I love that I love when a store or a brand makes it easy for you and just pulls it all together because I was the same like we will not have any chemical cleaning products in our house. Mm-hmm. And so whenever a cleaner comes, like, well, like, oh, no, these are the specific ones we want to use because you truly just have no idea how bad these things are for you. And I think as women, especially, I mean, so many ingredients play so much with your hormones and affect oh, yeah. your estrogen levels and everything. So I think we just need to be so on it. And regulations in the UK is not even great, but in the US, even lower with skincare and, and products, they really can throw so many different things in it, which is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the EU is a lot better than the U.S. Yeah. I mean, we haven't updated our laws in 80 years. And as someone who has products that are EU compliant, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, in the U.S., you could kind of just make something in a way and put it to market on Amazon. Granted, you wouldn't get into like a major store doing that. There are, you know, types of tests you have to do, like the human repeat patch test and the water activity test. There are some tests you have to pass to put a product to market in the U.S., but the EU, they do a full review of like Everything that touches the product, every ingredient inside the product, I mean, they they check a lot more, so. So, firstly, finding all of that out for you must have been really, really tough. Thankfully, you have an amazing mentor yeah. in your family that can help you, but I still imagine it was so tough. What's been one of the most challenging things you've had to deal with as a female entrepreneur? It's all of the operations, mm. you know, because I, <laughs> all, all of, of it, it. <laughs> all of it, like, honestly, it's getting better, but every single part of that process has been tough for me. It has been a struggle. And, you know, I do think a lot of the people that I deal with, I do deal with a lot of men. And I think that when I talk to them and I, I try and, you know, at least pretend like I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't, because they can talk down to you a lot. Mm. I can like count several times where that's happened. But yeah, all of the operations, just figuring out how to manufacture a product, how to get things from point A to point B. Um, We own our formulas, so I'm in contact with every single supplier. So I like, I have a full vetting process on that. But yeah, just getting everything together and then like getting it out. And then I guess the hardest thing was getting my first product sold on Cult Beauty. When I met the woman who's wonderful, the buying director for Cult Beauty, she's like, are you guys EU compliant? And I was like, yeah, we're working on it. And we kind of had been, but like, we really hadn't. I knew the company I was going to go with, but like we hadn't started the process. And so we got that product to market in like two and a half months, which is unheard (gasps) of. We got it through EU compliant. And that's because I was so religious and going directly to the suppliers and to everything like that I needed to get the PIF which is what you need to become compliant. I got all of the paperwork together, but that like, oh my gosh, just it was a lot of like chasing and I was like crying. It was a lot, but it happened and we're now sold there, which is amazing. I'm doing it right now though for the second product and I I feel just like I did before. So it's just a lot. Just like of, starting from the beginning. It's just a lot of like chasing and a lot of like, you know, I, I didn't come from like an administrative background. So everything I've done has been pretty creative. I was a writer and, you know, that's kind of how I got my start into hosting. Never did I have to, like, do all of these different, like, Google Docs or, like, Excel sheets and product formula breakdowns. Like, that's not, like, how my brain works. So that's been crazy for me. I can look at a master ingredient list and, like, break down a formula, but, like, I could not have done that a year ago. So, yeah, it's just a lot of learning. 
It's amazing just how much you're like, okay, I'm going to Google this. Like, yeah. My first business was built from Googling things. What is this? Okay, let yeah. me just Google it. Google's everything. And in our early days, we had a rule. We're like, don't ask Nancy Hi if you haven't Googled it yet. <laughs> because we're probably just going to need to Google it too. <laughs> I know. It's crazy that you can really find out like anything that you need to know on Google. I mean, that's kind of how, yeah, I built my whole business too. Because that's how I found, like, the glass supplier. And, yeah, even though my, my family does work in the, the business, like, no one has built a brand, especially an indie beauty brand in the clean space. So none of us knew what we were doing. And my dad is really busy, and so he doesn't help me that much. But he is a nice soundboard. But, mm-hmm. yeah, half the time I'm calling him, like, what is this, like, EU compliance that we're going through or Canada compliance? And I'll ask him <laughs> for this stuff. And he's like, I have no clue. <laughs> he's like, have you Googled it? Yeah, yeah. he's like, have you Googled it? I okay. love it. What was the experience like of pitching to stores. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's actually not that bad. Like I cold emailed Credo and they didn't get back to me right away. We launched in February of 2018 and we were in Credo by May, which is actually pretty quick. I had no plan to launch Mara. Like I was just like, well, okay, the website's going to be live and I'm going to post it on my Instagram, which I have a good following. So, you know, I knew that there would be some traction from that, but I didn't know if people were going to love the product. I didn't know anything, so I didn't have any plan. I just kind of wanted to feel it out. And once we started getting, like, incredible response, that's when I started reaching out to larger stores to carry it, you know, to start scaling the business. And Credo was the first place I had reached out to. They probably responded, um, like, a week later, and it's because of my friend. You guys might know her, actually, Katie Jane Hughes. No. The makeup artist, she's British, but she lives in New York. You guys will love her look, especially if you're doing the no makeup makeup thing. Okay. She does like crazy editorial makeup, but with like fresh skin and, and it's amazing. Anyways, she was using the product a bunch on her Instagram and Credo was then like responded saying, oh, we had seen this on Katie's Instagram. She raves about it. So send us it. We'll try it out. And, you know, they took it and they've been amazing. They've been an amazing retail partner. We're the best selling face oil there. So yeah, it's been really cool. And then slowly just picked our retail partners accordingly. The one that came after was Cult Beauty in terms of like massive retail, but getting into the now massage, which was important to me because I think it's a fun like self-care moment here in LA. It's a massage place in Mm -hmm. LA. And then Space NK was our most recent. I yeah. love it. Well, thank you so much for bringing us some. I'm going to be using it, so I'll let you all know what it's like. Totally. For everyone listening, I would love, I mean, I know we've covered so much ground, so I would love if you could just take a screenshot and tag us all with your biggest takeaway so we can repost it. Where can everyone find you? Where can they find out more about Mara? So my handle is at Alison McNamara, and Mara's is at the Mara Beauty. And that's me. I love it. Thank you so much <laughs> for being here. Of course. Thanks for having Thank me. You. This is my first podcast, so. Okay. Did we break you in well? <gasps> yes. You guys are amazing. <laughs> this was so fun. I, I want to do more. This is great. If you love this episode, please subscribe and be sure to leave us a review. We want to hear what you enjoyed, what your main takeaways were, and also really want to know who you want to see on the show. And speaking of reviews, I've also got a little something on my sleeve for you. So I want to send you a copy of the Boss Babe 25. This is a brand new resource that we've created and trust me, you are going to love it. So the Boss Babe 25 is the 25 essential resources you need for personal and professional growth. Seriously, this little resource is like a little boss babe holy grail you are going to love it it covers everything from must-have products our favorite books rituals that we do daily and little hacks to help you grow so if you want to copy it's really easy just leave us a review screenshot that review and email it to podcast at bossbabe.com that is podcast at bossbabe.com and we'll send you a free copy over within 24 hours 